You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, and in these episodes, Sangram and myself, James Carberry, focus on personal development. We'll share books and other resources that are helping us get a little bit better every single day. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. All right, guys. How's everybody doing? Back in over here for my follow track. Thank you so much for being here. This is one of my favorite topics that I've talked about for the last year and a half. How the heck do you become a CML? And then Gaurav said to me, hey, you should also talk about how do you stay a CML. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really, really interesting. So real quick, how many of you are CMOs or head of markets? All right? How many of you want to become a CMO one day? I'm assuming and hoping everybody says, yeah, no, I'm not sure. You're in the wrong spot. So I'm glad you're here. So I'll let you, each one of you guys, just intro yourself, give a little bit of background, and we're going to talk about some truths, some things that you have never said out loud. It will be today. You're right? This is something that people should walk away thinking like, oh, my God, I never thought that's true. So, Sean, why don't you kick us off? Tell okay. us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Sean Herring, I'm a head of marketing at Pandadoc. I've got 20 years experience of marketing, technology, or the combination of marketing and technology. And what was the path for you to become a real quick? Like, oh, what the role path were you in? More demand gen. I went okay. more the demand gen, field marketing, revenue marketing route. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. So, my name is Deanna Ransom. I'm the head of marketing at Sensing, former CMO of Televerde. You might be more familiar with them. My pathway to the CMO chair was as a sales rep, believe it or not, back in ERP sales. Don't date me. Uh, and then into field marketing, demand generation, and on into the C-suite. Wow, sales to demand gen. All right, Gaurav, Bhatia, Chief Marketing Officer and Chief Experience Officer at Penfed is a great union, second time CMO. My path was pretty different. I'm a technical engineer by trade. Uh, had stints in business development, sales, product marketing, did everything. I never thought I'd be a CMO, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> and Penfer is a gigantic company. If you guys go check it out, it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's an $8 billion. Whatever. Yeah, 30 billion. 30 billion? All right. Yeah. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. <laughs> a little bit more than that. So one of the most important questions that I hear from people who want to become a CMO, uh, they're like, I hit a director level. I hit a VP level, but I can never break through. What has been each of your experience of like, how did you break through that? Were you, did you hit that at any point? And if you did, like what made you break through? I think mine was really simple switch. It went in my head, they say, okay, I'm a functional level expert. People look at me only as I know marketing, but some of the conversation they keep keeping me out simply because I don't understand finance as much. I really don't understand the business levers. So how do you really become more of a horizontal? Can you be a business leader first and a marketer next? It's a difficult pivot because 15 years you spend kind of owning your scale, you know, everything. But now you have to take a horizontal view and say, guys, you need to talk the CEO language, the CFO language. And I mean, then I practiced for almost a year before I got the opportunity. So it's tough once the switch happens, but it will eventually happen. They jumped in, like, I'm not going to go, like, you next, you next, you next, you next. We're not going to play the game. I'm going to dive in, right, because for me, it was a little different. Uh, I definitely hit a CMO. 
right, where it just felt like I was banging my head and, and was never going to be able to make the transition. And, you know, the harder I worked and the more you produced, it seemed like I was getting feedback that said, we need you to stay here as opposed to wanting to see me excel to the next step. So I had to make some moves and actually leave companies. And I had to, in order to progress upward, I had to go to another company where I could be seen for the value. I also built very intentional relationships across the business. Tell me what's important to you. Sit with the CFO, learn their language, learn what's important. Sit with the COO, sit with the CIO. Have conversations with the sales leaders and really start to understand their needs, how it intersects with yours, and then be able to deliver value back there. Yeah, I, uh, I had to start my own company to become a CMO. <laughs> 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 that's one way to get to the CMO. You can have as many CMOs as That's right. Uh, me and the two other people in the room, it was amazing. Uh, consensus. No, but I did. I did a director level limit with um, the company actually we both worked at. So at Salesforce, I had a director level limit, and I became more obsessed with the title than the responsibility. And that's when I realized, like, I'm not doing the right thing. That's like going into medicine for the money instead of the people, right? You'll make money, but you're not doing it for the right reasons. Uh, and so I left and I was like, I think I could do more than what I'm actually like stay in your lane. Like that's great, but stay over here. Well, bigger companies want you to stay in their lane. Uh, so sometimes you gotta go small to get big. And so that's what we did. Like I started a company, I consulted for a little bit, realized that there's a very easy pattern to recognize when it comes to marketing, especially in a certain range of companies, like 5 million to like 50 million, they have the same kind of patterns that they're trying to figure out. And so that I just said, all right, well maybe I could do this for my company and started a company. And then uh, basically what I've been trying to do is take that playbook and expand it out. And I just found my sweet spot is 10 to 100 million. Like that is where I do really well with marketing. And I've, I'm proving it again, I hand it off. Like uh, I, a good example I would give is I interviewed and they're like, do you want to be the CMO? I'm like, yeah. I want to be the CMO, but I want to prove out right now that I can operationalize marketing because it's busted. And they give me the job because of that, not because I reach for the CMO. What was the growth when you, before you joined, and now that you're doing that for uh, how long? I joined PandaDoc two and a half years ago. We were at 10 million when I joined, and we're rounding to 50 right now. It's crazy. How many of you guys use PandaDoc? How many need to? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to do my job. <laughs> No, we've quadrupled in two and a half years, but it's not, um, it's not me. It's more about, it's fun to see that half. But I had to go small to get big. All right, and so we're going to open up with questions in a minute because this, is, this needs to be a conversation. And folks in this room, if you have never asked the hard conversation, we're going to, this is the time. Like, you, you know, we, we, we have in the big community that we're all in, we've talked about equity, we've talked about comp, we've talked about all these other challenging things. So this is it where you can actually get into it. So if you have a question, then raise your hand, I'll call your name in a second. All right, let's go a little deeper. All right, what makes a good CMO? And then I'm gonna ask the converse of it if you can in the same way, in the same way we think like, what makes a bad CMO? Like, what is it that, okay, this is not the way to do it. Yeah, I, I can clearly handle when you go to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta flip the phone. Like, stop. Right, 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 so, I think a good, a good CMO is really understanding your audience, right? We all understand our customers, but we fail to understand our peers and what people the organization needs. So you have to anticipate what question they're gonna ask and have the answer ready 
uh, stop going deep, you already proven it. And if you can have relationships, like you guys said, I mean, it's pretty important, right? Is that who likes you and can you have business impact? Because in our organization, I'm, I'm just going to do a little bit of advertising here, is that it was flat growth, 3%. Last two years, marketing growth, 40 to 45% growth every year during the pandemic. So now we see the value. And we have a relationship, we have a tough conversations, and uh, then you get a seat at the table. So you prove and get an ego out of the door and say, hey, I'm a CMO. It's not an ego game anymore. So. How much time do you guys you, you spend with your peers versus your team? Uh, I spend about, when I started, I spent 80% of the time with the team because I had to kind of grow the organization. Now the team is probably 25, 30%, with my peers is about 40, and the rest of the customers and feedback. So that's kind of actually give that's almost identical. I'm, I'm about a third, a third, a third. Oh, wow. You can, I know. Yeah. Didn't yeah. 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 Well, I mean, that, and, and then I want to go through like what you, what you guys are, but that's a big shift. I don't know if you guys are catching that part. Like, you probably are going to spend, if you're looking at your role right now as an emerging CMO, if you haven't spent time with you, your CRO, your CFO, your CEO, you really are not on the path to become CMO. You can't break it to you any other way but that. Like you just are not. So if you are the best content writer in the world, you're going to get more content to write. If you are the best demand gen person, you're going to get more demand. Yeah, stay in the link. Yeah. Uh, but if you have to break out, then you have to understand that you're probably going to spend more time with your peers outside of marketing. That's the important part, outside of marketing, as opposed to in. So, what's a good CMO of that Well, I'll take a different approach. To me, a good CMO is one that can walk into the business and assess what the business needs and be able to put together a strategy and a plan for working and gathering alignment across the leadership team so that you can bring that strategy to life. And it is very different depending upon what company you walk into. So you have to go in and be a little bit of a consultant and be able to diagnose what the needs are. There's no blueprint for walking into an organization and being a good CMO. It is walking into this situation, what is needed for me as a leader? And when you take it from that approach, you are flexible, you'll have the conversations, you'll learn, and you'll be willing to then partner across the organization to bring it into play. You did have to backtrack a lot of it and like, I came in there thinking I'm going to do this. You, yeah. you come out of, you think you might have the playbook or you're outside, you're interviewing, and you're like, oh, I, I think I know what they need, but you go in. And now you can see the fractures <laughs> and the fissures, <laughs> the gas pockets, and you're like, oh, my goodness. And you do have to backtrack and be willing to recognize that it's not backtrack. It's part of the diagnosis in order to be effective. You absolutely have to be willing to unlearn, right? So that you can really create what needs to be done to grow for the future. I love it. What's your take? Uh, that plus that. <laughs> uh, so I gotta figure out another spin on this one. But the, the, uh, marketing. I know, it's coming right now. Uh, I will say, I've noticed the, the people that I admire the most as well as in my career path, the more objective you are, and less subjective the higher up you go in the org. And I'm going to give an example. If your team works 40 hours on an ebook and you're part of that team, it's the best ebook in the world. 
But if you don't think it's going to produce results as the CMO, you got to shut it down. The objectivity is I don't think that's hitting what we need to hit regardless of what went into it. And so the subjectivity is, is, is moot. Like you were truly looking at it from a business standpoint, not your team's standpoint. And that's tough because I grew up like protecting my team. I had the best managers that always protected us. But I found out sometimes that was at a detriment. Once you got to the, the numbers, once you got to like it's black, it's white. Anything that's gray needs to be put in black or white. Once you got to that, that's where everybody else is talking the same language. Finance, sales, um, HR, it's all black and white, and marketing is the only function that gets away with the gray way too often. And so I found the higher up you go, the more objective you need to be. And people just embrace it. Even if you have to take a swag, like, eh, 80%, I'm pretty sure it's this, it's better than, I don't know, we'll see. Right? That people need that, that objectivity because everybody else works in that. And so if marketing doesn't, they're never going to fit in. Where, where do you guys, each one of you guys, spend most of your time as a CMO? Like, what, is, what do you do that you're like, well, I, you know, I never thought as a CMO I'd be spending time doing this? Like, I have no questions for you. <laughs> just say, yeah, yeah, let's, let's be clear. Let's, let's talk to yeah, I think the first three months was really, like, like you said, right? I, I, I thought it would have, I just need to kind of shift the points around, but I cracked foundation, right? How do you guys stop the bleed? <laughs> First three months, stop the bleed, understand the team structure, really lay out the strategy, and really kind of talk to your executive team, and this is what marketing can drive for the business. And you're basically changing your tires and moving car, right? They don't know how broken it is, but you lay out a plan, you build a team, and you execute. I mean, it's going to get simpler than that. Here's a goal and how you hit the goal, but build a rock solid team. I mean, my team is pretty strong. And uh, make sure you can actually create new leaders. You are kind of saying, I know this stuff, I don't want to give up, then your team's going to suffer, right? Let's say I'm the best content marketer, I'm not, by the way. So, and <laughs> if I'm always involved in content and don't let go, then you're doing yourself a disservice to doing your team a disservice. So, so let go and, and move forward. So, that's definitely important. That's what I've learned. And it's uh, helping me. How much time do you spend uh, spending spreadsheets versus actually uh, I actually look at every Friday, every Monday, that's it. And it's because I'm building a team. Like to, to your point, like I found I found half of the problem was can I trust the data? Like it, some people are like yes, some people are like no, and I basically go, I've got to be able to trust the data, so I've got to build either the infrastructure, the process, the people, whatever it is to help me trust the data so that I can say a dollar in gets me this much out. If I can't say that, I'm not doing my job. Because then, you know, it's basically like, what are you going to do with this money? I can point to it and go, well, I've been giving you a dollar for every 50 cents. So keep giving me money. And that's real. Like, I just had that conversation. It's like, give us another five million. Because I'm turning it into 10. What other department can do that? If I can't trust the data, I can't have that conversation. When were you, when were you able to have that kind of conversation? Six months in. Six months in. Because it was three months of... Oh man, like what, what do we do? Which spreadsheet do I trust? The other three months was, now which people can I trust? And then once I got that locked in, um, I got the data part, but the other part that you hit upon that I, I find myself gravitating towards is, where are the superstars and the superpower? Like whether it's the people or something that's working inordinately well, and how do I do way more of that? And for us it was inbound. We were tripping over inbound. So I was like, just do more of that, guys. We'll figure out all the other stuff. 
and I'll try to get the data fixed. And then once I get the data fixed and inbound ramped and running, everything else starts to fall into place. So Love to get your take. And if you have any questions, just raise your hand and I'll call on you. My situation is a little bit different. So he's getting data. I'm trying to get the organization <laughs> to use data. There you go, right? Right, because it's been a little bit of a wild, wild west kind of situation where I got a hunch and I'm we're gonna look here horizontal and we can use it for everyone. And I'm like, can we just take a pause for the cause? Right? <laughs> and really go with pause for the cause, I like that. I like that. Right, and, and really get some understanding so that we can take the right motions and have alignment and agreement to own what we're going to do. We didn't have basic infrastructure in place, so setting up things so that we could get out of the spreadsheet that the CEO is running the business off of, so that we as a leadership team can have a view into the business and be able to contribute and understand exactly how we're aligned to those KPIs, are we getting done? We have none of that. So right now I'm implementing the MarTech step. I'm building the team. We're solidifying what the data sources are that we need to trust because I don't trust his spreadsheet. I know that sounds very <laughs> contrary, but I don't trust his spreadsheet, right? So we're wow. I don't trust it because A, I know he's touching it constantly. Right, number two, it's not grounded in data or research or voice of the customer. It's grounded in perspective, but it's a singular perspective. We can't afford, as Sean said, we can't be subjective. We have to be completely objective. Data is our friend and understanding that when I go into a conversation, I never go in with any emotions. I don't care about emotions. You can't, you can't get passionately emotional about, but I know this is, you can't do that. You'll lose credibility, particularly as you're trying to move through the organization. I go in and I, you know, oh, we need to do this. I don't know if anyone's ever experienced the CEO kind of having that type of a meltdown. And my response to that is, you know, you could absolutely be right. What I would like to do is validate your hypothesis with some data. Let me come back to you with some research. Let me go have a conversation, dig up some numbers, and let's validate and test that out. That's a much easier conversation. And that's how you, A, get credibility, B, never be a yes person, and C, get to the outcome. Mic drop. All right. Yeah, I got it. Questions? Go ahead. company and in order to make the stretch to 100 million that we know we can make we have to be an account based company and so to lead that we have to lead the charge and that's what we're putting in place in the marketing right now and we're seeing the breaks happening across the org because we're not moving fast enough so i would say i've not only embraced it i'm trying to hire 
as fast as possible for it. Side plug, if you want a career or anything else, come talk to me. But I, I could not agree with it anymore. Great, 10 bucks later. <laughs> So you have to look at ABM, then what's next? Like go to market, you have to continue to own and evolve. You start there, phase one, then you go phase two, product market fit, and then platform, right? I think I'm still in. Yeah, good. So it's like, that's how you evolve as a CMO. So definitely a believer, but you have to evolve your career accordingly. So I want to chime in. I am a huge believer. However, using Sangu's model from this morning, when you're in the problem market fit versus the product market fit, right? You know, when, you, when, when your organization is still trying to figure out the TAM and they don't have the man generation in place, your sales organization may be immature and an account plan is not even a conversation, right? You may not be in a position to launch an ABM program at that point. However, a good leader knows that that is the pathway to growth that they're going to have to make a pivot to. So I would say with the caveat of knowing when to really dial into it, but always thinking of how you are evolving your strategy to go to that direction, because it truly is the most effective way to move forward. You just have to know when to pull the trigger on it so that it's effective for your organization. So when did I feel comfortable? Not until about a year later. And part of that was because one of the things that coming into that kind of pressure did for me was it took the need to come in and try to prove things off because I came in with how can I work with you? What is there that needs to be done? What's the right levers to pull? Thank goodness I had lived through the 2008 situation, if I'm not dating myself, where you know the world kind of shut down when the market crashed. So I had some familiarity with leading during difficult times. But that first 60 days was really hard. 
It was leaning in, really trying to understand who's on my team, who are the right people I need to keep because I have a very difficult task there. What's the strategy? The company had not had a strategy in place, right, for a very long time. So I needed to come in and go, wow, okay, as a, as a leadership team, how can we rally behind this? Why? Because there's no need in me going off and building a, the greatest functional strategy for marketing ever if, if we are not in agreement about what's coming out. CFO, I need you to give me money in the middle of the pandemic. That was a fun conversation. Well, how much do you need? I want $5 million. Are you serious? Yes, and here's the reason why. Here's the investments, according to Gartner. Here's the E to R, right? Your expense to revenue investment that's necessary in order to achieve the outcome. Why? Because you told me you want growth, and I always want to link it back to the numbers. When things are connected to numbers, the CFO doesn't argue back with you. Nope. But it was hard, right? And did I feel comfortable after about a year? We definitely hit the number. So in the middle of the pandemic, I was super excited. We uh, hit pipeline and revenue, right? For the year in a, in a, in a pandemic year, by 20% on the revenue, and we grew pipeline by roughly, I think, 1,500% so that we could have something that was scalable and repeatable. It looks amazing, but remember, they didn't have, they had marketing automation, it wasn't stood up. I worked across with the CRO and the sales team and put, you know, we need to get definitions in place because you're saying lead and you're saying lead and you're saying content and you're saying content and you're not even talking about the same thing, right? So we had to do a lot of the, the ugly work. It wasn't the fun things that we as CMOs like to talk about, but the ugly work did produce for us on the other side. When did it become fun? Because it doesn't sound like fun at all. It gets fun when you're able to go into the board and say, this is what I've been able to produce for you. We have achieved 1,500% in our pipeline. We have given you back your money in terms of the revenue. We've also been able to stop the ridiculous churn that we had on books. And by the way, if you're willing to invest another 20% with me, I promise you I can return X. When you can go into the board and have that level of confidence mm -hmm. and have them engage with you, asking you questions and loving your strategy, and the board member is texting you going, can I have this presentation? That's when it gets fun. I like that. Oh, that's good. All right, so I know we got, got just a few more minutes. Did you have a question? Yeah. So I'm assuming most people in the room are in your seat or are in your seat. What was the, the, the thing that shocked you the most when you got there? Because nobody knows the outside point it's like when you get into the seat. Don't <laughs> so you love those? Yeah. Yeah. How many months are you going to last? I thought I had nine, but uh, I've been there about 25, so 25, 26 months. So I think people, somebody wanted us to brand, somebody wanted us to do performance marketing, somebody wanted us to uh, really kind of make sure the data is perfect. So everybody had different expectations. How do you ground it? And then I started grounding people during my interview process. I made sure the team interviewed me. It's kind of Different, so I requested that. Like, the team should meet me because I knew that if they don't like me and we had baggage, the last three CMOs, there was no trust. So I built the trust up front, but obviously the first of the day was 
laying out the expectation, but I told the CEO and the EP, this is what we can deliver in 2016, so there was no surprises. Uh, I mean, level setting expectation, because it will come right road for me, I probably wouldn't have taken it, because there's no chance of success while we're taking the So, open, transparent, and it helps. I would, I, I would add to this. Uh, it's very interesting to go into an organization from the outside and then put the mirror up and show them what is actually happening versus what they think. Sales, finance, HR, all across the product, all across the org. That's what I found out was very humbling for me is every team had a completely different perspective on what was working, what wasn't working, let alone with their own departments, but within marketing. And so the, the shock for me was when I put the mirror up and I said, this is what I'm seeing. That was my first 60 days to, to your answer was, all I try to do in the first 30 days would put a mirror up and say, this is what I see. This is when I'm, I'm seeing the strengths, the weaknesses, and I don't even know what the hell that is, right? There's a couple of those. <laughs> but you have to point them out. Like, you do. You have to go, I can't tell what that is, but that's a problem, right? That surprised me the most of how off perspectives were when you didn't have someone that was going in and driving the conversation instead of reacting to it or just waiting. And usually when you have people waiting for an order, I mean, an order taker. You're not an executive. You're basically just an execution arm of whatever team speaks the loudest. So that was the, that was the hardest part for me was telling people that their baby's ugly over and over and over <laughs> and over. But then you get to the point where you're like, well, here's what we can do about it. So that was that's my answer. I love that. All right. So one word or one sentence answer as we finish this off. What will get to keep you your job? Revenue growth. I was just about to say that you would do that. Revenue growth. That's it. There is no other. That's it. And that's one of the reasons why we keep saying that it is a business of marketing. Yes, it is. It is. If it's not a business of marketing, then it really is no marketing at all. So with that, give it up for these guys. Please follow all of them. Thank you. Pretty awesome. Really, really cool. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.